Sometimes Christmas feels like a part-time job instead of a holiday. When did all the noise drown out the season? When did this become just one more thing we have to get through? I just wish I could press pause and actually experience Christmas. I want to be able to take my time and enjoy the season for once. I want to remember how it made me feel when I was little. I want Christmas to feel important, to remember what really matters. I feel like I've forgotten what all this means, and I want to pause to prepare my heart to reflect. I want to pause and remember that Christmas changed everything. Hey Seacoast, we're here at the beautiful Falls Park in Greenville, South Carolina, and we're hanging out with Trey Rollins who is our Greenville campus worship leader. Since we're in our Christmas series, Pause, we're talking about taking time to reflect during a busy season and really making the most of the holiday season. And so in light of that, Trey, why don't you share a Christmas memory with us? Yeah, um, you know, when y'all asked me to do this, I was reminded of the first Christmas that my wife and I were married. And we were able to go with my family to Colorado and spend our first Christmas together with our family there. And, um, you know, everything was just so picturesque. It was, you know, beautiful mountains and snow was everywhere. And um, it was just so memorable because it was our first Christmas together. And I'm always reminded of that song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and think about that first uh, Christmas we spent together. I heard a little bit of that earlier, and it sounded great. So would you, would you play it for us again? Yourself a merry little Christmas, let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Here we are, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends will be near to us, gather near to once more Through the years we all will be together If the Lord allows Hang a shining star upon the highest bow Have yourself a merry little Christmas now have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Wasn't that good? I was going to do that myself, but you don't want to steal all the thunder from the worship leaders, you know. Uh, want to welcome you guys, welcome all of our campuses. If you're watching on the internet, we're glad that you're here as well. And I don't know about you, but I think that uh, our worship leaders may, maybe should put together a Christmas album next year. That's no pressure, just a, just a thought. 
But we are glad to have you guys, excited. My name's Josh Surratt, and I'm one of the pastors here at Seacoast, one of the teaching pastors, and uh, just excited to be with you guys. We're in the Christmas series, uh, talking about pause. But before we get into that, I want to pause, if you will, and uh, give you an update. If you're new to Seacoast, uh, haven't been coming for a while, we just got out of a series that we believe was a, a significant series in the life of our church. We called it Next, and talking about what's next for the next couple of years at Seacoast, and We're planning on planning a dream center over in West Ashley and uh, planning on expanding campuses, uh, several of the campuses in our network of churches uh, that need expansion. And and just wanted to give you a quick update. This weekend is our our first uh, offering for the next campaign. And so if you came prepared to do that, that's fantastic. We'll talk about that later. But uh, we've had over a thousand families that have committed uh, just incredibly generously to, to be a part of this financially. And in fact, uh, committed sacrificially. We've had a lot of families, but the, the families that have committed uh, have committed to increase their giving by over 50% of what they normally do, which is just really, really incredible. We've had several hundred people who haven't given before at Seacoast go, you know what, now's the time that I'm going to get involved, I'm going to, I'm going to be, become a part of this church, and so encouraged by that. We don't have a number yet, uh, because a lot of you are still sending cards in. We've had cards coming in all week long, and we just kind of want to wait until we see that, because that commitment will then determine where we go and what our next steps are and in, in, in getting started with the next campaign. So just wanted to update you guys about that, let you know it's first uh, offering weekend, and we're, we're excited about that. But, but we're in a series right now that we're calling Pause, and I thought about this this, this week, and I've got a couple of pills uh, this first pill, if I told you that if you would take this pill, man, it would make your life so much more full, it would, it, would, it would make you healthier, it would help you lose weight, in fact, it would probably add years to your life, definitely would, would enrich your relationships and help you find your purpose in life. If I told you that there was a pill that exists, would any of you guys take it? Some of you guys, yeah, a lot of us would, would probably take that pill. It doesn't exist. You know, that's, I know you've seen it on the internet. They've, they've made these promises. Just don't. It's just an illustration. So don't, don't go buying it. But if, if there was another pill, and this pill would really do the exact opposite. It would make your life more stressful. Uh, it, 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 the, the relationships that are closest to you, it would, it would bring a, just an incredible amount of stress on those relationships. It would probably bring about uh, some sickness. It would cause you to maybe lose weight. Definitely take some years off of your life, and, and definitely, if you would take this pill every single day, it would distract you from discovering God's purpose for your life. W- would we take this pill? Of course not. Here's the problem. Many of us, in fact, I would argue most of us are taking this pill every day in spite of the consequences that it's going to have on our lives, and this pill is a pill called busyness. You know, and, and I believe that as we kind of have gone into this Christmas series, this issue of busyness is, is such a critical one because if we continue to take this pill day in and day out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to diminish our effectiveness as a church. It's going to di- diminish our effectiveness as, as parents, as, as, as husbands, as spouses, and it's going to overall diminish the quality of life that we live here on this earth. Yet day after day, we take this pill. In fact, at all of our campuses, I would almost guarantee you that, that there's a conversation that's happened in the foyers probably dozens of times at each of our campuses. And it would start something like this. Hey, how are you guys doing right now? And we would answer t- something like, you know, we're doing really well, just really busy right now. Crazy, crazy busy. I know I use that line all the time. You know, not only do we take this pill, but we kind of wear it as a badge. We think that if, if we're busy, it says that, man, we're probably more productive 
certainly makes us feel like we're more important. We've got a lot going on. There are a lot of demands on our schedule. And so, so we kind of boast about this idea that, man, we are busy, crazy, crazy busy. See, how many of you guys could use just one extra hour in a day, especially in these next couple of weeks? I know I feel that way. We've got so much going on. We're all busy. Our schedules are, are packed with career, family, friends, church, other responsibilities, volunteer opportunities. Sometimes our days are so full that we don't enjoy anything because we're trying to do everything. Yet deep down inside, most of us know that this pill is, is bad for us. Most of us know that if we would create some breathing room, if we, if we would learn how to create some space, that our relationship with God would be, would be better, that our relationships with others would be better. But our, our, our inclination, you know, our tendency as, as a culture, certainly as a church, is to do so much that we don't enjoy much of what we do. We're at work and I don't know if you can relate to this, but you're at work and, and you're thinking about how, man, I need to be spending more time at home. Or maybe you're at home and, and you feel guilty because you're at home because there's a part of you that knows there's stuff that needs to get done, that there's, there's loose ends that you haven't tied up yet at work. And so we're constantly thinking about what we're not doing and we're not enjoying what we are doing. And then comes December and Christmas. And it's like pouring gasoline on this fire, isn't it? I mean, everything just seems like it, it picks up and, and, and life moves into fast forward. And, and, and that's why we're doing a series called Pause. You know, we, we want to take a, a few moments and our prayer is that the, the weekend services here at Seacoast would just become a little bit of margin in our lives. That we, would, we would take some time to reflect on some things that God might be speaking to us. Now, ironically, we, we, we felt called to do this series called Pause, felt like the Lord was leading us as a church because it's such a critical issue. And then we began to talk about what, what are we going to pause to do? You know, we need to pause to prepare and we're going to pause to celebrate and reflect and pause to dream and we're going to pause to listen. And all these, we, we begin to fill these pauses up with activities because we are addicted to productivity, right? I mean, it just shows you, even in our church culture, we want to be doing something. We want to be productive. We want to be making things happen. You know, there used to be a day where you could just go to the bathroom, but now what, what happens at your home when someone's looking for their phone, right? I need to find my phone. What does that mean? They, they're probably getting ready to go to the bathroom because it's a great opportunity to catch up on text. It's gross, but you do it, don't you? <laughs> you know, we, we used to be able to just drive our kids into work, you know, and, and, and enjoy time spent with them. But now I know if, if you're anything like me, that's a great opportunity to get on the phone and, and kind of get your day started, get some things settled in your day. Or maybe for me, I, I like to listen to sports radio to catch up on what I might've missed overnight, you know, from the last time I watched SportsCenter and ma make sure that we're, we're all up to speed on stuff. You know, we used to be able to just enjoy dinner with the family, but now typically we're, we're maybe throwing fast food in the back seat while they're watching a DVD on their uh, DVD player. Or maybe we're Instagramming our meal, you know, like talking about how paleo and it's trendy diet we're doing. And you know, we're, we gotta make sure the world knows what we're doing because we just tend to be busy. There's tests in December, there's deadlines, there's parties, chores, and for many of us, there's just no breathing room. And lest you think that I'm talking to you about something that I've fully conquered in my life, this is an area of my life that, man, I'm growing with the rest of us. You know, there are times that I feel like my schedule is controlling my life. It's, it's, it's out of control. And, and so I'm with you on this one. This is a message we're going to kind of learn together. What does God's word say about this? And how can we learn to stop taking the pill, to create some breathing room, some margin 
in our lives. And some of you are going, well, hey, it's December. Aren't we supposed to be talking about the shepherds and the wise men and, and Mary and Joseph? And we certainly will continue to do that. But this weekend, I, I thought about this. So I went, went to Israel a couple of years ago. And there's some things that when you're over there, you just can't pick up on until you see it. Things like the landscape and it, it kind of brings the story to life. And certainly the culture and the pace of life is something that you don't necessarily see all throughout scripture. But when you're over there, you realize, man, this is different than, than what we're currently living in. And there's something that the shepherds and the wise men and Joseph and Mary all had in common. And it was that they didn't miss it. They, 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 they had margin in their lives to pay attention to what God was doing during the Christmas season. So let's talk about it for a few minutes. Why should we pause? What's the big deal? I think three reasons, three key relationships that, that are important as we think about why we should pause. And the first one is this. We should pause because God didn't create us to live this way. God didn't create us to live this way. And I think often we forget that we have a creator. We have, God made us as, as masterpieces and, and he had created us with, with great intention. And in and, and, and the top 10 list of, of our God, the things that are important to him, he says, I want you to take a day off. I think it's kind of cool that we worship a God that in his top 10, he said, I want you to slow down. In fact, in Exodus, here's, here's what, he, what he said in the 10 commandments. And it's, it's number four, if you're counting on the 10 commandments. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. Now, I think he could have stopped there, but I think he thought, you know, a couple thousand years down the road, there's gonna be this church, Seacoast, and, and they're gonna find some loopholes in here. And so he goes, he gets very detailed. So don't do any work. You, and if you're like me, or thinking, well, I can put my son to work. He could maybe mow the yard, or he could, you know, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, you know, like let's, the pets, let's make them rest too. Or the sojourner who's within your gates, which would creep me out anyways that there was a sojourner in my gates. But he says, everybody, I, I want you to take a, a, a break. I want you to take a Sabbath. One day out of every seven, I, I just want you to do nothing. I want you to rest because I, I created you that way. I didn't create you to be productive all the time. What happens when we don't do it? It's interesting. I, I, I found out this week that there's actually a, a sickness, a, a, a disorder that psychologists have labeled hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. It's a relatively new deal, but, it, but it's prevalent in our culture. By definition, here's what hurry sickness is. It's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. An overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. Another definition of it, they say it's a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Do we have any testimonies on, on hurry sickness? People are pointing here at the Long Point campus. Let's not point, uh, but, but we can all relate to this. It sounds very, very familiar. You know, there used to be a thing, uh, as I kind of researched this, decades ago, it's really mind-blowing, there was this phrase that, that, that people used, and it was called spare time. Have you guys ever heard of spare time? They used to have this stuff, and you, you would actually think about, uh, what are we going to do in our spare time? And what would happen is, in these families, after they would have hung out all their clothes out on the clothesline to dry, 
You know, after they had cooked dinner, you know, they had cleaned all the dishes by hand. Maybe they had washed their cars by hand or maybe the single car that a family had. They took the, the, the rugs outside and beat them with a broom. After they'd done all these things, right, they'd have this spare time. They, they would do things like maybe go see a drive-in movie together as a family or maybe, you know, they would go bowling or go play miniature golf or, or do a picnic. That's like where you take a pre-packed meal and eat outside, you know, for those of you that haven't experienced that before. This spare time, crazy, crazy concept. But, but the cool thing is that we've progressed so much as a culture, technologically, you know, now we have these really great things that, that, that help us so that we would have more spare time. Like, you don't have to hang your clothes out to dry anymore. You have a clothes washer and dryer that would actually, a lot of them have these steam features now where you don't even have to iron anymore. You just take them out and they're, it's as if they've been ironed. And, and we have these cool things called dishwashers that you can throw all the dishes in and all the pots and pans and it just does that for you. We've got little robots that you can kind of set loose in your house and they'll just vacuum the floor for you. You got these, these drive-through car washes that you can just go in and out, five minutes, you're done. You know, we've, we've got all these technological advancements where we would have more and more spare time. But, but ironically, it just hasn't worked. In fact, the, the USA Today did a survey, national survey recently, and, and it revealed that the, the vast majority of Americans feel that they're busier this year than last year. And they were busier last year than the year before. All of these valuable time savers meant to give us more spare time, yet somehow we've managed to get ourselves in a position where we're busier than we've ever been. See, most of us suffer from hurry sickness. Have you ever been in a checkout line at the grocery store and you, you jumped out of your line to get into another one because you felt like it was probably going to go faster? Right, you might, you might suffer from hurry sickness. You know, if you kind of calculate, you may even count the number of cars in which lane uh, and, and you get in the one that you think is going to go faster. Maybe we've multitasked ourselves to the point that we've forgotten what the tax, tasks are that we're trying to do. You know, we suffer from hurry sickness. Seacoast, God didn't create us to live this way. He didn't create us to take this pill day in and day out. See, if, if we were all killing each other, having affairs, stealing from one another, lying to one another, we, 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 would, we would make this an issue in the church. We would stop and go, no, 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 no. we got to deal with these issues. But you know what? They're on the same list. And, and we, we got to stop wearing this as a badge. We got to take some time to reflect, is this really the way that God has called us to live. And I believe this is an issue that's going to only get worse if we don't become proactive and grab the bull by the horns. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like me and you're thinking, dude, are you telling me that you, you want me to be less productive? Because I don't really have time to listen to that. You know, I, I don't have time to, for you to tell me that I need to, to, to get less stuff done. And, and I, I'm actually not telling you that. See, I believe that if we would adhere to God's pattern for living, for, for, for our lifestyle, that we would actually probably be more productive. See, think with me for a second about creation. Anybody remember what day God created mankind? Anybody know day six, right? And he created Adam and Eve, he created hum humankind, and he said, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply. The fruitful part, I think he's talking about produ productivity. I, don't, I didn't create you just to kind of hang out and be lazy, and that's not what this message is about. He said, I want you to be productive, but think about this. What, it, what happened on the day after he created humans? We rested. He took a Sabbath. He, he, all of creation rested. So God made us to be productive, yet the very first thing that we did, the first day 
full day that we were on earth, we rested. And I believe that there's a, a pattern there. There's a principle there that if we would listen to it, if we would learn from it, that, w- that, that we would actually be way more productive. And it's this, we are created to work from our rest, not to rest from our work. You know, we weren't created to go, 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 and then on the weekend kind of collapse into our bed and chill. We were created to, to rest, to, to, to really take time to, to connect with our Lord, with one another, and out of that refreshing, we would go into our weeks and we would be productive. We, we would probably do better. In fact, culture gets this now. Uh, if you think about pilots, you know, they, they limit the number of hours that a pilot can fly because they know that after a certain amount of going, that they're, they're going to be less productive. And how many of you don't want to be on that flight? You know, truck drivers, the same thing. You know, they, they limit the amount of time that they can drive because they know that if, if we keep going, if we don't rest, if we don't actually build in this pattern and, and work from rest, that, that it's, it could be dangerous to others. You know, our pastor Greg uh, had an opportunity last week to spend some time at Pixar. You guys know Pixar, uh, it, Cars and Toy Story and Monsters Inc. and all these great movies. Probably, I mean, definitely the best animation studio out there. I mean, they, they, they've, they've just had incredible success. It was interesting what he learned there, though. They said, we, we do a 40-hour work week with a maximum of five hours of overtime. And so, so Greg asked, why, why is that? Why, why do you guys do a 40-hour work week? And they said, because we want, we, we want the best version of our staff. We want the rested, refreshed, creative version of our staff. We don't want the worn out, you know, no good, busy, work, you know, exhausted people to be working on our creative pro- pro- projects. And it's like, they get it. They know that, man, there is a pattern that if we're not rested, we're not gonna be productive. So I would argue that in God's, creation pattern that he didn't create us to live this way he actually created us to be more productive and I bet if we would do some research I bet the busier that we are doesn't necessarily mean that the more productive that we are but it makes us feel more productive makes us feel better about ourselves but I bet if we would adhere to God's pattern that we, we would really grow in even our productivity so we need to rest because God didn't create us to live this way let me give you two more reasons one is because efficient relationships just don't work efficient relationships don't work. What do I mean by that? We want to be efficient at everything, right? We're looking for ways to do things faster and our smartphones have gotten to the point where, I mean, my son can ask me any question and I can pretty much get an answer from Siri, you know, very quickly. But here's, here's the problem. Relationships thrive when there's margin and breathing room, but relationships die when there's not. We cannot be efficient at relationships. You know, I, I can't have a heart-to-heart conversation and really get a feel for what's going on in my son's life efficiently by going, hey, all right, all right, son, Miles, you got 10 minutes. Let's go. Tell me what's going on. I want to hear about it. We've got to create margin. You know, we can't connect with a loved one, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and, and learn about their dreams and learn about you know, what, what, what makes them excited and what, what gets them going efficiently. You've got to take time for those conversations to be able to happen in a natural way. I remember when I was dating Lisa, we would talk on the phone for hours. And I mean, this is back in the day where you actually had like a cord on the phones. I didn't get a cell phone until I was like 20, 21 years old. And, but we would talk for hours and sometimes we'd go out on dates or go out with groups and, and hang out. We'd get back to one of our houses or the parking lot where we had parked our car. Often it was a church parking lot and we would sit in the car for hours just talking and getting to know each other. There were times that I would wake up in the morning 
and the phone would still be laying next to me. I'd pick it up and I could hear her breathing because we'd fallen asleep talking. That's, that's lame, but some of you have done that too. But, but we get married and then you know, we have kids and it's like back then we weren't really working on anything. You know, we, we didn't have the responsibilities that we do now, but, but we can kind of work ourselves into a relationship where you're just kind of getting stuff done. You're talking about where well, the kids need to go here and we got this going on and this going on and, and we forget how much time was spent to, to lead us into the, the level of intimacy that we once had. And, 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 and we forget that relationships can't happen efficiently. I mean, yeah, you can get stuff done. You can talk about important issues, but you can't really connect at a heart level unless we make the time for it. God created us to live in community. In fact, look what Jesus said in the book of John. He said, uh, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's, the stakes are pretty high there. He's saying everyone's gonna know. The world's gonna know about me. The world's gonna know about my mission in life, the world's gonna know about what I did. How? Not because of the knowledge that they attain, but because they're gonna see the way that you live your lives. And if you live your lives with margin in a way that you can really learn to love one another deeply, to go through conflict, to go through differences, yet still love one another, then they're gonna know that, that you're my disciples. He says, this is a big deal. You know, relationships cannot happen efficiently. Last night, I spent some time with uh, some very close friends who had their 10-year anniversary, and uh, I never really experienced this before. You think of an anniversary as something that you celebrate, obviously, as a, a couple, and I'm sure that they did. But they brought about 20 of their closest friends, and we went, and we had dinner, and we just all reflected on stuff that we'd been through and, and stuff that we'd learned uh, in their 10 years of marriage and some prior to that, and, and, and it just landed even more clearly. This couldn't happen if we don't build time for it. And, and, and I'm not necessarily living in a pattern right now that has me on a trajectory to continue to build deeper and, and more intimate friendships and relationships. We can't do relationships efficiently. The last thing, the, the reason that we need to learn to pause is because our mission requires it. Our mission requires it. What was Jesus's mission? It was to seek and to save the lost, right? What's usually one of the first things to get cut out of our busy schedules? It's time spent with people who don't know the Lord. You know, and, and often we forget that, man, we're not here to, to build a nice little nest egg and pass it off to our kids or to kind of gather with a few believers and feel great about ourselves. We're here to do the one thing that we won't be able to do in heaven, which is to reach people for Jesus. But that's not gonna happen if we don't have time built into our schedule. If we don't really understand and know, like have ears to hear, Lord, where are you at work around me? That I might be able to pay attention to what God might be doing. See, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, I love this because it's so practical. Paul's talking to the church and he says this. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. You may want to circle that phrase, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, guys, church, be wise about your time. Make the best use of it because the stakes are high. You know, I can't help but wonder how many people won't get invited to a Christmas Eve service this year because we're living our lives at a breakneck pace. You know, and, and I, I'm your pastor and I obviously work here at the church and I'm pretty sure 100% of my co- co-workers are gonna be at the Christmas Eve services. Uh, I'm 
almost as sure that most of them are saved. Somerville campus, I've got questions about a couple of them, but... Um, you know, you know, I work in an environment where, where you know, we, we all are on this mission together. And of course, we have opportunities and, and we need to model it as well to, to kind of look in the coffee shops and in, in our neighborhoods and the people that live around us. But, but, but I want to encourage you, church, you guys have an incredible opportunity during this season. Please don't miss it. You know, it could be a single invitation. Somebody that you know. I've heard about just... As you know, in December, people are much more aware of their pain, maybe of their, their challenges, of the, and that they're much more receptive to the gospel. If we would just take the time to ask, Lord, where are you at work? And it may be your invitation that's a lifeline for somebody. It may be your invitation that, that helps them know a savior, know that they're loved, know that God cares about them so much. It may be your invitation that may save a marriage down the road because they get into an environment where they're gonna meet some people who are gonna help them walk through some tough stuff. It could be your invitation that makes all the difference for somebody. Let's be attentive to that. Let's pay attention to it. In all of our campuses, we've got, uh, and, and your worship guide, we gave you two invitations. We can give you 10 of them. I mean, if you need more, come get them. But just to go, man, could there be two people that God might allow me to intersect, allow our paths to cross where where my mission requires that I be paying attention to what God might be doing, that I might reach out and go, hey, come. Come be a part of this. It's gonna be uh, fun. We're gonna have a great time in our Christmas Eve services. Pastor Greg's gonna teach a message that's very simple and clear about the, the meaning of, of our Savior. And, and let's just pay attention to that. Let's, let's pay attention because our mission requires it. So God didn't create us to live this way. Relationships can't happen efficiently and, and our mission requires that we learn how to pause. And I would guess that most of us here and online, all of our campuses, we're on board. We'd like to make some changes. We'd like to address this issue. But how do we do it? I mean, how, how do we pause? Well, I want to take you to a passive description that you probably wouldn't think that I'd take you to in this. But, but I think as I read it this week, there's so much truth in it. And I want to talk about two things that we can do to learn to, to pause and reflect. The first one is that we would number our days. And check this out, Psalms verse 90, or chapter 90, and, and the whole chapter, go read it. If, if, if you have time, just make that a priority uh, this week to read that chapter. It's actually a Psalm of Moses. We think of David as the author of most of the Psalms. Moses wrote this, and if you know anything about Moses, Moses lived to be 120 years old, and really his life was broken down into three sections. The first 40 years, he grew up in, uh, as a, a child of Pharaoh. You remember his, his mom put him in a Moses basket and you know, the Pharaoh's daughter found him in, in the river and, and took him into their home. So he lived in a, a life of wealth and in the city and at, at the center of things. And then he made a mistake. And the next 40 years of his life, I don't know if it was a mistake. It was definitely a mistake on one hand, but I think God began to break his heart for his people. And, and, but he ended up moving to the desert and he spent 40 years as a shepherd. And you can imagine probably a different pace of life. And then the last 40 years of his life are what we remember him by. It's when he came back and he rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt and they spent 40 years wandering through the desert. And, and so Moses, towards the end of his life, he writes this psalm and he talks in this psalm about how God is infinite and how he was there before and he's gonna be there after and how time is just so different in the eyes of God that a thousand years are just like a day for, for our Lord. And then he says that for us, our lives, and, and God's sight, our lives are like a piece of grass that, that grows up in the morning and dies that night, that, that our lives are so short. And so he, 
He prays this prayer in Psalms 90 verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. He says, man, our life, it's, it's but a vapor. It's so short. We have such a limited amount of time. And he lived a lot longer than most of us are gonna live. He says, man, teach us to number our days. Teach us to remember the end so that when, when we know that our time is limited, when we remember that our time is limited, it gives us wisdom on how to spend our limited time. Teach us to number our days. Most of us get this concept of numbering our days. Like if, if you haven't finished Christmas shopping, you're probably aware there's 10 days, right? 10 days left. And so we number those days in it. As the days get closer, it brings clarity on what we need to do. If you've ever had a baby, you know that there's a date on a calendar and your days are numbered where you've got to prepare your home for this addition to the home. Or if you've ever gotten engaged, you know, the time between I will and I do, the days are numbered. And, and, and as you get closer to that last day, you know, man, I've got to be clear. I've got to have my priorities right. I've got to spend my time wisely. And Moses says, if we'll number our days, that, that we'll gain a heart of wisdom. There's an author, her name's Bronnie Ware, and she wrote a book uh, called Five Regrets of the Dying. She's a songwriter and an author, and, but prior to doing that, she spent a number of years working as a hospice nurse. So she would spend time with people in their final days. She would get them when they would have anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months left to live. And, and she said that it was such a rewarding experience for her to spend time with this, these people because she learned so much from these people. And, and so she began to ask them as she spent time with them about any regrets that they might have or anything that they might do differently. And she began to see some common themes that arise. And, and, and she, she wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. I'm not going to talk to you about all five of the regrets, but I want to talk to you about the top two because it was fascinating for me. And really what I want to do as a church is I wonder if we could learn a lesson before most people learn the lesson. Because here's what they found. The first regret was this. They said, I wished I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That's powerful. You know, I think about uh, uh, maybe a more biblical way to say that would be, I wish that I had been true to who God made me to be. Because God made us as masterpieces. He created us uniquely as a masterpiece. And I love a quote I heard John Holm, uh, was, who's one of our youth pastors, was talking to our youth uh, this week about some future direction that they're going. He said, most, all of us are born originals, but most of us die a copy. And, and that's, as days are numbered, as, as we realize that the end is in sight, it becomes very clear. Number one thing that people said is, I wish I'd have just been true to who I am. I wish I hadn't cared so much about what everyone else wanted me to be and I would have done what I was called to do. I wonder if we would have that perspective that our days are numbered and if we would have courage as a church to, to live the lives that God's called us to, to be the masterpiece that he's called us to be, not to be so concerned with what culture says we should be, with what our coworkers think we ought to be, with, but, but to really wrestle down, Lord, why am I here? Why did you make me? I want my life to matter. And the second one, which won't be a surprise, I wish I didn't work so hard. I wish I didn't work so hard. She says that 100% of the men that she talked to had that regret. 
And of course, if you think about what she was doing, she was spending time with mostly older people. And so probably I would guess that women would have the same regrets these days because the people she was talking to, the men were typically the breadwinners in the home back then. But culture has changed a little bit on that. But, but they said, I wished that I hadn't worked so hard. She says that they missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. That women spoke of it a little bit, but it was primarily in men. All of the men that I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. By simplifying our lifestyle, making conscious choices along the way, it's possible to not need all the income that you think we need. And by creating more, this is her talking, by creating more space in your life, you become happier, more open to new opportunities, ones more suited to your family's needs. I wish I hadn't worked so much. You know, if you want the other three, you can pick up the book. It's really not about that for me. What I, what I wanted to do though, as I read that, I thought, man, I wanna learn that lesson before it's too late. You know, I have currently, and most of us have some semblance of health. And oftentimes we don't learn these lessons until it's too late. What if we as a church decided we're gonna learn these lessons? We wanna learn from, from people who've gone before us. Stop taking the pill called busyness. You know, if, we, if we're gonna number our days, probably some things are gonna to need to change about our lifestyle. There's probably a few things that need, we need to stop doing. But, but, but a second thing that we can do, if we're gonna to learn to pause, we're gonna live our lives differently, is we need to learn to do the same things differently. You know, there are some things we need to stop doing, but there are some things that we're doing, but we can be more intentional with them. We can do some things differently. And that's kind of where I wanna get practical for just a moment and talk about some things in my family, my life, that as I've, been preparing for this message and as Lisa and I have been kind of preparing for the future and, and thinking about what we want our lives to look like, there's some things that we're going to do differently. We're getting ready to move into a new home uh, that we're excited about and, and we've just decided we're going we're gonna to press reset on a lot of things in our life. We're, we're not going to transfer our cable and I'm not saying you need to quit using cable but for us, it's just, we just want to take some time to build in some quiet space into our home and reset. Drive time, you know, for me, typically that's, like I said, I'm making phone calls, I'm listening to sports radio. I take my son to school every single morning. And I'm decided I'm gonna do that differently. I'm gonna do the same thing, but I'm gonna do it differently. So what I did is I downloaded an app on my phone. It's called uh, The Bible for Kids. And if you have kids, you need to get this app. It's so cool. Uh, the guys that did Uversion uh, created this app. So the same, uh, a lot of us use the Bible app on our phones. Same people, but they created The Bible for Kids. Seacoast actually was able to help fund it because they wanted it to be free. And so what we do is we spend the first few minutes of our drive and Miles goes through a lesson on the Bible plan. Uh, his, you know, he's done uh, creation in the beginning. He's done uh, the story, the Christmas story. We've kind of spent some time on that and, and it's fun for him. It's kind of like they, they've got to get some stars and look for some things and it's, it's really cool. But then we'll, we'll put the phone down and we'll just talk and reflect. Miles, what, what, what do you think that has to do with today? How, how do you think that that story could impact the way that you live your life today at school? You know, what do you think that that might mean about your relationships? And, and we've had such great conversations. We've been able to connect and it's just, it's the same thing, same amount of time that we go to school. We're just doing it a little bit differently. You know, what if we did that with our dinner time? You know, maybe we created a rule where from the time I get home, I'm gonna put my phone down. I, I'm gonna maybe not turn the TV on or whatever it might be, but we're gonna do the same thing. We got the same amount of time, all of us do. But what if we use that time a little bit differently? You know, if, if, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, like I said, we're living in a home right now and, and 
my wardrobe at home is basically, Lisa has all of the closet because it's about that big. And then I have this like entertainment center wardrobe and I, I ran a, a, like, a rod across the top of it. And my TV's on one side of it and all my clothes are on the other side. And so what I do is I just kind of cram clothes in, you know, like if, if I'm doing laundry or I get a, a new outfit or whatever, I'll just kind of shove the hangers over and kind of shove this thing in. And so you got sleeves that are hanging over the TV and that kind of thing. And it's just really awesome. Um, and so the other day I was kind of getting some of my winter clothes, you know, if we have that here in Charleston, but I uh, got this jacket out and, and I, I kind of shoved the, the clothes over to the side and I hung this jacket up. And if you'll notice this jacket, it's not a real heavy winter coat. It's, you know, pretty light, you know, kind of cool. I've had it for a while, H&M. Um, there are sponsors for this. I'm just kidding. They're not. Um, so I, I, I shove this, this, all my clothes over and I hang this thing up on this rod and the whole rod falls. Now, I think it would have given me a hand signal if it could have, but it couldn't. So it just said, I'm done. I quit. You know, and then the whole, all my clothes just collapse and fall down into this entertainment center. And, and it struck me, not because I think God wants me to clean my closet out, you know, which probably would be a good thing to do. But it struck me because, frankly, a lot of us are living our lives like that. It's just one more thing. You know, we're living at a, such a breakneck speed. We're so busy. We're so to our capacity relationally and with, with meetings and with our time that it's just that one more thing that's going to cause everything to snap. I wonder if we could change that. You know, see, the problem is if we don't live with breathing room, if we don't live with margin emotionally, then eventually it's going to take us to an emotional breakdown. If we don't have any margin physically, we are going to have health issues as a result. If, if we don't have any margin financially, it's going to lead to a financial breakdown. You know, a lot of us are living our lives in the same way that my closet is. You know what? The answer is not a stronger rod. The answer is not a bigger closet. The answer is that we would really take some time. What needs to come out? Where do I need to create space? Where do I need to create some breathing room? So again, I would ask you, Seacoast, time is one of the most important gifts that God's given us. Are we gonna continue to take the pill day in and day out? Are we gonna evaluate our lives and live differently? Would you pray with me? God, I do thank you for the incredible gift that you've given us of time. Lord, we know that our days are limited. We know that we don't have a lot of time. Lord, help us be a church that would use it wisely. Help us be a church that would learn to rest, that would learn to live in a rhythm that would honor you, that would be true to the way that you've created us. Lord, especially during this season, Lord, we know we're busy. And Lord, my goal wouldn't be that any of us walk out of here feeling guilty, but that we would, Lord, respond to what you're saying to us. Lord, that we would be attentive, first of all, to you, to your voice in our lives, that we'd be attentive to the people around us, that we'd be able to engage in heartfelt, meaningful conversations. Lord, help us learn to pause. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.